Hi, I am Brent Feldman, and we are back with another episode of Mix and Matchbox. Uh, I am today joined by Mickey Kennedy, and he is the founder of E-Releases. Uh, how are you doing, Mickey? Good to see you. I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, happy to have you here and looking forward to jumping in the questions. Uh, you, you've actually got a service which is uh, very, very compelling and a companion to some of the stuff that we do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to digging in. Um, uh, I'll, I'll start out with, uh, you know, that I see you live in Baltimore County. And I'm sorry about the Ravens. I don't know if you care about football at all or not. <laughs> but, I, I care when we're winning. And uh, for us, the Super Bowl is over. But uh, we, we shall see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, it was it was a disappointing loss for myself and a friend too. Even though I'm in Missouri, uh, for for some reason I was just rooting for the Ravens. It was it was good. They had a good season. But anyway, move past that. Uh, so now that um, you know we have that out of the way, uh, what's the journey like uh, for you getting uh, you know from your Information Inc. Uh, job to e-releases? Right. So Information Inc. I was a, a editor. And I moved from that to a uh, job where I was in charge of many different things. It was a um, telecom startup, telegeography. And uh, I did. I, I think I was hired for sales as employee number three, but I worked on PR and was sending out press releases and I got really good at it. And uh, that's sort of what opened up my eyes to the possibility of, of press releases and PR and all the things that you can do with it. Uh, we were faxing at the time and we were getting a lot of journalists asking if we could start emailing them releases instead of faxing. And I was just like, wow, email is so much easier and you can just build a little Rolodex and hit send. And so I, I spent about a year just reaching out to journalists, asking them if I could put them in my, uh, you know, files and send them press releases on behalf of clients and, uh, about 10,000 people said yes. And so I launched a little over 25 years ago uh, with, with that database and was just a matchmaker taking uh, press releases for clients and sending them to the journalists that were in uh, those, you know, covering those types of uh, releases. And over time, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, the, the database got bigger and uh, we were approached by PR Newswire, which is the oldest and largest newswire of press releases. And they wanted to work with us, which I didn't think was going to happen because I know that they charge like $1,600 for, say, a 600 word press release going out nationally. And my clients, you know, can't afford that because uh, I was trying to be in reach of uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs and, you know, just be a few hundred dollars. And so uh, despite that, uh, they wanted to serve entrepreneurs and small businesses. They liked um, how we sort of, you know, handled, uh, you know, the relationship with small businesses, walk them through, or a lot of them, their first press release, or at least their first press release on a traditional wire. And, uh, you know, they, they were able to, to make the economics work so that all the releases that go out through e-releases get a national distribution on PR Newswire. And, you know, it's, it's you know, 400 to $600 on average, uh, as opposed to $1,600 plus working directly with the wire. Wow, that's really cool. Um, so, you, yeah, even kind of gain some efficiency for people working directly through your organization as opposed to trying to, you know, run it on their own. Um, you know, I, I guess, do you do you kind of view e-releases as a traditional sort of PR company in a way or, or you know, very, very differently? So I, I view us as like a press release distribution platform. Um, you know, one of our, uh, you know, 
most common type of clients are small entrepreneurs and startups, but we also work with PR firms as well. Um, so traditional PR companies, you know, they they go beyond a press release. Um, they do direct pitching. Um, they do a lot of other, you know, digital stuff and, and uh, you know, Dif different uh, things that they offer. So we're strictly press releases. We're strictly a press release distribution platform. Um, we recognize that PR firms do a really great service, but I also recognize that a lot of people can, you know, do their own PR efforts, uh, you know, using a service like ours and, uh, you know, not having to spend, the, you know, the exorbitant costs that often, uh, you know, working with a PR firm entails. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I will say that I, I noticed this about your LinkedIn profile that you grabbed your LinkedIn name as publicity, right. <laughs> which is which is awesome, by the way. Congrats on getting that handle. I was just proud of myself that I actually got my own name. Uh, so I got Brent Feldman. And, uh, and I think that's like, you know, what happens when you're early in the game. But actually, I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate your your approach there. So, um, you know, how uh, I, I know that this is maybe adjacent to the things that you're doing, you know, with press releases, but, you know, how do you think like LinkedIn changed the game for sort of like, you know, business news or releasing information to the public uh, as opposed to maybe, you know, how it may have been in the past, um, you know, and, and how do you kind of like, you know, either leverage, treat or think about LinkedIn? Right. I think LinkedIn is a really great platform um, that's business specific as opposed to like Facebook or other types of social media. So I, I think it's a really great place for people to share uh, their press releases, you know, share when they get uh, earned media, which is what we call it when uh, someone actually writes an article about you. And uh, so it's a really great you know platform for doing that with your existing network and potentially networking with others. Um, so I, I do think it's, it, you know, it, it it serves a really, you know, great uh, effort as far as, you know, being able to sort of get in there and connect with people, uh, see what they're about, follow certain companies, follow certain individuals. And, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff with groups that happens and a lot of people now using newsletters on, on LinkedIn and things like that. So um, it, it, it I, I think it's great. I think anything uh, that's, you know, communications forward uh, is a real plus uh, for businesses. I think that uh, you know communicating is is so important, and it, it really is uh, you know really uh, you know one of the ways in which you can sort of still reach out and communicate with people. I think it's changing a little bit with video, and I do think that we'll see a bit more uh, you know video uh, news components uh, on LinkedIn and on PR and press releases as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's it's very interesting, you know, as people can probably share their press release, you know, or whatever they create directly on, you know, the platform in and of itself. It's still the real, like, you know, kind of coup for a business, I guess, would be to have it shared from a news outlet that that press release occurs on and then share it onto LinkedIn is that obviously is much, uh, you know, higher level of visibility. But I appreciate that you kind of appreciate what the, you know, yeah, the, that platform is doing for people too. Cool. Uh, so I do feel uh, in general, like, you know, you're doing a great, uh, you know, service for the small business community by, you know, helping get visibility for news that may be left undiscovered. Um, you know, it is, is 
just, you know, like is creating the words on the page, just the tip of the iceberg, uh, you know, where, where does like, you know, the meat and potatoes in, in terms of like, you know, what you, you do as far as the work really happen? Is it kind of crafting the story in and of itself? Is it, you know, like, is it actually getting it out there where, you know, where's, where's the bulk of the work? Right. So the bulk of the work at Earlease is, is the distribution. Um, I do provide a lot of education and support for my customers to get them to do uh, more meaningful types of press releases. Um, like the two most common press releases that we get uh, are at e-releases are, you know, first there's the new hire press release. You've got uh, a new associate in HR, so you do a press release. Um, Generally, I wouldn't spend money to send it on a wire. Um, it's you know outside of maybe your local newspaper, local business magazine, and maybe a trade publication that puts a little on the move section. Uh, unless it's a meaningful executive that you've hired, uh, or you know, new president or CEO, or an industry veteran that everyone in the industry is going to recognize. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know not a great use of money to send out those types of releases. Uh, the second. You know, most common release we get is a product launch release um, where someone's launching a, a new product or a revamped uh, product or service. And a lot of those are very formulaic in that, uh, you know, here's the product, here's a list of features, here's the link to it on our website where you could potentially buy it. And I think what a lot of people forget is that, you know, a journalist is a story builder. Um, they often work with a story arc and with just a product uh, announcement and features, it's very difficult for them to do that. Um, things that you could add to that type of press release that would make it more uh, meaningful and give them more elements of a story arc would be a use case. Um, you know, a particular person to use the product or service, um, you know, what was the, um, you know, obstacle they were facing, what did this solve, uh, you know, what were the numbers behind those results, and also a meaningful quote by them. Uh, that you know, all of that could really flesh out an article and give a journalist sort of what they're looking for in you know th that story arc mode. Yeah, very cool. And and I mean, like um, that makes so much sense. I mean, it's like it, it's actually. I mean, you're looking at it like a, a typical piece of written, written content, and maybe people you know sort of like commonly think about a press release is just like oh, here's the commonplace thing that you know this this goes in a press release, just like you're saying that you know oh we hired this person, and and I definitely couldn't agree more that like unless it's a really really you know meaningful person in the industry or somebody who's transferring from one company to another that that is of note, it's hard to make that into like okay cool that's great, but um, are there any types of content that you feel like people miss out on, you know, talking about themselves? I, you just said use case, which I feel like is a good example, but you know, other types of things that you feel like can be really successful, but maybe people don't think about being in press releases. Yeah. I think that, you know, if you have a press release, um, you know, what are, what are, what's some numbers and data that are just out there and available that you could punch in there? Uh, like if you uh, have a product, you know, like I provide press release distribution, if I had, you know, a number that was out there, like, you know, 78% uh, of, you know, uh, B2B communication fails because it's not really speaking to your core customers and press releases are a great way in which you can do that. Uh, you know, something along those lines, cause it really gives you a good hook an anchor for a journalist to, 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 to sort of say, oh, here's some numbers and data uh, that, that 
you know, positions this product or service. So any times that you can put that data in there, it's really going to help. You know, journalists love numbers. You know, for the same reason, uh, I also have clients to come to me and just say, I've tried press releases. They've just never worked. And I'm like, well, I've got one press release. If you do it, it's never failed ever. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it seems like a big ask, but it's not. And that's to do a survey or study within your industry. And they're just like, oh, that sounds really complex. But, you know, you can go in SurveyMonkey and create uh, a 16-question survey, four questions per page, fairly uh, straightforward. Spend a little time on the questions, you know, ask stuff that's like really timely, like what's going on right now in your industry? Uh, is there, you know, uh, you know, economic change? Is there hiring change? You know, we're, you know, somewhat out of a pandemic by a year or two. Uh, you know, are are you having difficulty hiring people who, you know, to, to stay in the office? Or are you having challenges from people wanting to work from home? Uh, are you having difficulties, you know, maintaining a culture uh, in this hiring environment? Uh, you know, what's your spending look like over the next two quarters? Uh, if you were at a conference or the things you would ask colleagues, you know, like, have, have you noticed that, you know, everybody who was paying on time net 30 is now sort of turning it and trying to turn it into net 90, you know, that could be an indication that, you know, funds are drying up and things aren't looking good. So, uh, you know, just think about what you would want to ask other people in your industry. Um, you know, what are things that you hear about, you know, both rumors as well as in the news and ask those questions and uh, then send it to uh, your industry. And that's the next pushback I get from people. I don't have a Rolodex of a lot of people to send it to and you don't need it. Um, you can partner with a independent or small trade association in your industry. And if you approach them and say, hey, could you send this link to your members? And in exchange, I'll mention you in a press release I'll be issuing over the wire. A lot of the small and independent trade associations do do not get any media attention. Uh, most of it goes to the large trade associations. So if you have one that has like 700 or 1800 members, or you know maybe a little bit larger, you know those are ripe for you to approach and do this kind of ask. And most of the times, uh, they will. You know I've had some that are creative and say, hey, could we co-brand this the survey with both of our names? And I don't see a downside to that. Uh, you know, obviously they're angling for a little bit more attention, uh, but you know, you're in control of it as long as you, you know, you maintain that control and and can get get it out there. Uh, then, you know, it's a matter of, you know, taking the results from the questionnaire and figuring out what are the two or three aha moments, you know, what are the big surprises there or things that you feel would, would you could put a really interesting spin on. And I do recommend that you publish all the data on one page on your website because a really good journalist will go there and look and see if there's other questions that you asked that might be interesting. And many times articles get written from questions you didn't focus on in the press release because generally you're gonna focus on two or three of the questions in the press release. And so, uh, you know, put some analysis as to why you felt the numbers skewed a particular way on a topic, uh, you know, quote yourself, you're the expert now uh, putting out that, that study and survey. And uh, then you're gonna send it to the media. And often uh, this results between eight and 14 articles uh, for most of my clients who, who follow that model. Uh, the least I've ever had is four articles. And these are unique original articles that were written by journalists. It's not your press release 
copied and put somewhere else. We call that press release syndication, and mm -hmm. it's not very meaningful. Uh, we're really looking for that earned media when a journalist writes a, a complete article about you. And so, uh, you know, I, I know of PR firms that charge twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year and offer no guarantee. And you know, I can pretty much tell people if if you do follow that method, you will get earned media pickup. It, it's never failed. And uh, I, I think that it, you know, does require a little bit more work, but it's, it's, you can make it very systematic and very straightforward and leverage others, you know, leveraging, uh, you know, fr uh, friends, colleagues for the questions part, uh, you know, also uh, then, you know, finding an independent or small trade association, which to partner with to uh, get access to their members. Yeah. Uh, wow those are solid recommendations like both of those i mean like that's that's incredibly important and i mean like uh i'll, I'll get to a question in just a second it's really more or less uh about you know kind of like it that the partnership with seo but like you know any seo would like to thrive off of getting that kind of visibility and, and definitely in the data um and it's funny oh my gosh i go back to you know clients all the time that you know and i i encourage like numbers if you can provide you know hard evidence like we created like this amount of increase or we did this like yeah yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more that numbers always work. Um, well, this is along the, you know, kind of like, uh, and, and you mentioned PR Newswire is like, uh, um, you know, obviously, I guess a, a place that is central to, to getting, you know, news and information out there. But you also mentioned like the, the earned media thing. And I, and I think that's super important to dig into. And actually just kind of wondering, you know, how important are relationships to the business of news and, and, and newsworthy content? Is that something that, you know, you're you're looking you you have relationships with either, you know, kind of like um, other journalists, other people in the industry? And, you know, and what does that mean to your business as a whole? Yeah, I think it's important to, you know, have a good relationship, especially if you're a PR firm. Uh, you know, we're in the press release distribution business, so we try to maintain good relationships with journalists. Uh, I also think that, you know, fortunately, journalists are open to new people and people that they don't have a relationship with. Uh, journalists like to be seen as curators. Uh, they very rarely get a pat on the shoulder saying, hey, that was a great article about Microsoft or Google. Uh, you know, uh, you know, they have to cover those large companies, but they generally get most of their attention and accolades for profiling a small unknown company that someone wasn't aware existed maybe in your industry. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes discover, uh, you know, these Indiegogos and Kickstarter campaigns where a journalist writes, hey, this is a really cool thing. And I'm like, oh, I like that. And I'll, I'll go buy it. So, you know, those are the types of things that they uh, often get accolades for. And for that reason, journalists are often willing to put the spotlight on a small or unknown business. And so there's a lot of people that feel that PR is really uh, something that is only for large companies uh, and people who are well-funded, but journalists love to profile uh, new discoveries and small businesses and mom and pops. So, you know, don't feel that, uh, you know, you, you have, you know, don't, 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 own that imposter syndrome, you know, really get out there and sort of claim it because journalists uh, will, will uh, certainly write about you, uh, even if you're an unknown uh, entity. And I think it works really well for startups and small businesses and new players. That's great. 
that's 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 cool um well cool well you know i as i mentioned i was going to jump into like some kind of seo tangential things and uh you know i guess getting content and backlinks is really a hallmark of like seo strategy and uh you know I, I, like how would you say that your business serves seo goals and initiatives like uh that that's some of the base components but are there anything else that you feel like you know is a part of press releases earned media uh really kind of go hand in hand with seo Right. So earned media, I think, is 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 you know a game changer when it comes to SEO. You know, getting a a link from a, a major publication or uh, some trade publications in your industry can certainly go a long way towards improving your SEO. Uh, you know, it's it's no secret. Uh, Google has a patent where they give you credit uh, for an implied link when there isn't one. And this works very well when you get an article in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times where there's no URL, there's no link back to you. But you know, my clients who had that happen will you know swear that hey, our SEO got a huge bump. We're seeing a lot more traffic since we got that story in the New York Times. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Google's giving you that implied link from that major outlet. And so uh, even when there's no you know, URL there, you're, you're getting the credit as if there is one because Google can uh, contextually tell that that article about your company in the context of that article was about you. And uh, it's almost like having a link directly to you. And so that's really exciting. Um, there's been, unfortunately, it's been going on over 20 years now where a lot of people get really seduced by the syndication that happens where the press release is replicated on a bunch of websites. So when you hit send with a press release company, um, you know, it will be like on Yahoo News and it'll be on a bunch of other websites, but it's just your press release replicated. Um, there are usually no follow links. Um, it's not supposed to give you any credit uh, from an SEO benefit. It doesn't penalize you. Uh, but there's still people who swear by it and there's still people who preach that that really boosts your SEO. And, you know, I, 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 I think if it does, it's temporary and it's not supposed to. And, you know, I, I, I feel like it's a big distraction. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, in, in the U S there's probably like 30 companies that have wire in their name that sell press release services. And there's only three wires in the United States of press releases, uh, PR Newswire, Business Wire, and a small little company called Globe Newswire. And, you know, anybody that's outside of that with wire in their name, they're not reaching journalists. They're just doing the syndication game and getting you on, you know, replicated on these websites. The reason I find it a distraction is they're usually locations on a website that a lot of consumers aren't looking. You know, the, the page on Yahoo for these press releases, very few people are going to it. Uh, you might pull up a, a couple of these through a Google news search or a Google web search, um, but it really doesn't make a, a big you know boon for your business. Um, you know, you're not going to have an influx of customers. Uh, you're not going to have, uh, you know, the, the, the types of things that can happen with earned media. And so I do want people to sort of, you know, think about, uh, what can I do to have my press release turned into an article and make it easier for journalists to want to turn that into an article? And that's where I see PR working really well and uh, where I, I feel like a lot of people should be spending their uh, their time and energy trying to figure that out. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, you almost want your customers to like, you know, practice discretion in terms of like, you know, kind of like understanding maybe newsworthy content, mm -hmm, but, great. you know, really leveraging you to help them find what that might be too. Sure. Uh, um, but I, I would totally agree. It's just like, you know, the press release syndication, having a bunch of links out there, or, you know, a bunch of articles that would theoretically be, you know, I guess a good idea. But I think you've got a great point about the you know, follow links and just uh, in, in general, having that be um, not necessarily of really desire for people to want to find within those sites. Yes, it's on the site, but are people going to read it? Are people going to look at it or does it just exist? So yeah, I, I think all solid things. Uh, continuing on kind of like the SEO jag, uh, you know, I, I guess if SEO and, uh, you know, a press releases kind of fit together like peas and carrots, uh, you know, what, what's another, you know, sort of like service or strategy pairing do you usually find that, you know, you get kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe like a partner agency or partner company that might leverage your service, uh, you know, outside of, of your realm. Right. So I think that, um, you know, there there are a lot of people that come in and surprise me uh, how they use e-releases. Uh, you know, some are, are marketing companies uh, that will come in and have some creative things that they're doing. And I'm always paying attention uh, how different people use e-releases and, you know, what, what their goal is and, and what, what they're attaining and getting. Uh, the survey one, for example, was a client we have that's been doing surveys for years, Clutch. Uh, they have a lot of little... Uh, industry verticals that they cover and they do a survey for each one of these verticals. So they're doing like 30 of these surveys a year and almost every one of theirs is getting like at least a dozen uh, articles picked up. And that's what made Bob go off for me as like, can you, can someone else just do this, do a survey and get it out there? And I, I started experimenting with customers and trying it and, and I found that it works and it works again and again. Uh, you know, and so I do pay attention to, you know, the different ways in which people are, are using press releases and trying to get it out there. Uh, I've seen a few people, uh, who have like, a you know, really interesting, uh, podcast guest and they'll sort of, you know, market that through PR and press releases and it can work really well. I think if you have like a big name brand, um, I, I, I've seen it work for a few, uh, people who are interviewing, um, I think like Trump's former attorney, uh, uh during the stormy Daniels thing. And it got a lot of media pickup, you know, people magazine, a lot of places, you know, of course it's a, it's a big name and a big get, uh, but, it's always, you know, um, it's interesting the the ones that work uh, and the ones that that don't work and the ones that surprise you. And you know, sometimes uh, one of the exercises I like to do with people is, you know, uh, what are the things that people don't talk about in your industry, but probably should be talking about. And you know, sometimes that one's a little difficult. But you know, brainstorming with colleagues, um, you know, going back to what you would talk about at a conference. Is there something that you talk about at the conference, but you never see industry publications talking about it? You know, potentially, you know, that that could be right uh, for a discussion. Uh, I, I had that work with uh, a local carpet company that approached me and said, we're doing a one year campaign. And I'm like, tell me more about your business. They're like, well, we're a local carpet company in New Jersey. And I told them, I would save your money. I don't think PR is gonna work for you. Uh, but they 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 did it, and after five months of you know me taking their money and them doing a press release every single month, I said we we need to talk 
and really brainstorm what your next release is because this is just going to spend your money and nothing's going to come of it. And the conversation uh, exercise that I went through, one of the questions I asked is, who's your biggest enemy? I just expected it was like, you know, Dan across the street with his carpet company, but it was the big box home improvement stores. And they just were like vitriol about how bad Home Depot and Lowe's is for their industry. Um, they said that, you know, they'll come into homes where you can see the seam, uh, you know, the carpets are, have never been stretched and they need to be. And it's just like, they were just installed. And he's like, you know, he says, the problem is the, uh, what Lowe's and Home Depot does is they go down the list of people who have a home improvement license by the state and say, Hey, are you available to install carpet tomorrow? And if you're calling a home improvement guy who's never installed carpet and he has no work, he's installing carpet 11 o'clock tomorrow and he's going to be hitting YouTube tonight, hoping he can figure out how to do it. So, you know, that's the type of things that people experience, uh, he said, working with these people. And so we put together a press release just, you know, documenting this and it was a David versus Goliath approach because uh, they're billion dollar companies. And, you know, we sent it out and over a dozen floor trade publications immediately picked it up and uh, they were just clamoring for more. And as I pointed out, this doesn't really help you because your customers aren't reading floor trade publications, but they said, no, this is good. This is going to help us. And so we continued to uh, work that angle with subsequent releases. And at the end of the year, uh, they had over 30 articles. Um, they had a local newspaper, which was good. Um, they had the New Jersey Magazine, which was good. But all the others were floor trade publications. And so they put it together in a brag book and they take it whenever they go to someone's home and gives them a quote and they open the book and say, look, you know, we may not come in the cheapest, uh, but we've been picked up by Floor Trade Weekly. Here we are with this publication. Here we are in New Jersey Magazine. You know, we've been here for 20 some years. We install good carpet. We often don't ever have to come back to restretch or fix a seam or anything like that. And, you know, our our installers have been doing this for decades. And so they started converting about 17% more of these at-home quotes just by using this brag book. And so, you know, they, they taught me some marketing because I just didn't see what the end result was of, you know, getting these floor trade publications to, to write about them. Uh, but it really came across to homeowners that, hey, you know, uh, you know, we got a quote from this guy and this guy, but this guy's been picked up nationally by lots of publications. New Jersey Magazine, our local newspaper, it's 400 bucks more, but I just feel more comfortable working with them. And, you know, that, that, that's a real game changer, you know, going forward when you convert almost 20% more customers. Definitely. Yeah. No, that speaks a lot towards credibility, especially to get those kind of, you know, that recognition and those names, of those publications behind them. That's uh that's great. That's, that's really cool. Um, all right. Uh, would people be shocked at the types of placements they could get on the type of traffic and visibility that maybe some of these things could, uh, you know, provide, because you mentioned like the New York times, like, you know, like some of these things getting picked up by obviously, you know, some of the biggest publications in the world, but, you know, I guess, uh, just by that, that, you know, kind of carpet client, um, you know, and if you're producing the right content, yeah. Do, do you think people might be shocked by like, Oh my God. Yeah. A story, a good story could get picked up by these really major publications. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the, the biggest surprises for a lot of our clients, especially, uh, ones who've worked with us for a while is they're seeing, 
hey, we got picked up on TikTok and, you know, uh, and Instagram. Uh, you know, uh, the Newswire uh, welcomes all types of media. Um, I, they were very slow to the plate over a decade ago with bloggers, uh, but now they've really embraced, uh, you know, that people will get their media from lots of different sources. Um, so, you know, for, for example, the fashion industry, a lot of Instagram influencers there. And so a lot of them will uh, get accounts at The Wire and they'll put in the types of fashion that they're interested in. Um, you can sort of create exclusions for the type of fashion that you don't want to see, those types of releases and the ones that you do. And you can make it a very customized news feed for you. And so it's a valuable tool for you uh, as, as a, uh, a media person looking for content. And so, yeah, you know, uh, people are being surprised uh, by the type of pickup they get, you know, whether it's not, you know, big national news or an Instagram influencer or someone on TikTok, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it is changing where people get their news. Um, but, you know, as long as the newswires are, you know, facilitating those relationships and being open to other forms of media, I think that's really great. Um, you know, we did a release uh, early in the pandemic uh, for the Dining Bond Initiative that was set up by a small PR firm uh, who was looking to help restaurants that were closed during the pandemic. And it was just a simple sort of, you know, matchmaker thing where you nominated your favorite local restaurant, they could get in touch with them, you give money, it goes directly to them, and it's sort of backed by what they call a Dining Bond gift certificate arrangement. And uh, it, you know, it's on my website as a case study, uh, over 150 articles uh, were written as a result of it. We actually stopped counting because a lot of local newspapers picked it up and we just quit counting because uh, some were just so small and minor. Uh, but, you know, a lot of large publications picked it up too. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, all the food trade publications picked it up. And, you know, just by hitting send with one press release, it generated over 150 articles and over $10 million in revenue was helped that went back to local communities, um, you know, restaurants by just one $350 press release, you know. So, you know, that shows the real leverage opportunity that's out there. You know, that's a very, you know, uh, wild uh, example. It worked really well, I think, because, you know, we were sent home for two weeks to flatten the curve and we felt powerless and there, you know, there was a lot of negative news and here was something that was positive and actionable. Uh, the average person sitting at home could, you know, do something, you know, give 20 bucks to a local favorite restaurant. And I think that's why it, it sort of, you know, spoke uh, to what was going on at the moment and did so well. Uh, but those type of opportunities exist, um, you know, for lots of businesses. And, you know, it may not be 150 articles, but, you know, if you have, a, a, you know, you do a PR campaign of six to eight releases and a couple of them, you know, really go wide and large, you could get, you know, a dozen articles or a couple of articles. Um, you know, sometimes uh, it only takes, you know, a, a couple of articles in the right places to add, you know, meaningful zeros to your revenue. Um, I had one client uh, who got picked up in a uh, industry trade publication and they were contacted to build a waste management facility in Australia. And he said, it looks like this is gonna be a 30 to $45 million job from just this one article in a trade publication where uh, you know someone in Australia didn't know that this company existed and that they could come in and engineer and architect a whole waste management solution. And so, you know, that's the real opportunities that are out there and exist uh, through earned media and getting recognized in your industry.
That is great. Yeah. Um, visibility can mean, you know, sometimes, you know, everything for some of these organizations. Uh, actually, that feeds so well into the next question, which is, um, you know, kind of like how um, does credibility mean more than visibility uh, in any sense? Because, uh, you, you know, we talked about logos and where you get featured and, uh, and obviously, you know, some of these things can, um, can really help obviously gain a lot of visibility, but yeah, what's your feeling on, you know, kind of between those two? So credibility is extremely important. And it's one of the things that happens with earned media that doesn't happen with advertising. Um, earned media comes across as like third-party corroboration or social proof. It's almost like an implied endorsement when a journalist writes about you. Um, you know, I, I've had clients come to me and say, you know, I'm seeing something here, it doesn't make sense. You know, we see this article, uh, that we got picked up in and they did link to us and it looks like you know 300 people click through to our website and 160 of them bought you know is it possible to convert more than 50 percent and the first thing i say is well probably more people saw that article than click through uh, so it wasn't a 50 percent conversion rate but from the people that did click through it did convert over 50 percent and you know it's because when you read an article about someone you know, you often get this warm feeling. You know, I talked about, re, you know, seeing Indiegogos and Kickstarters. You know, when I when I read these articles and I think that's really cool, what they're doing is really great. You know, I want to click and support them, and I click on it and I see, hey, you know, it's it's affordable. I, I'm willing to just immediately, you know, do business with them. I don't open another window and say, is there something similar that I could get on Amazon that someone else has that you know doesn't quite do this, but I, I'm not in that mode of, of price shopping or anything. I want to support this effort. And it's the same thing that happens with a lot of people who read articles. Uh, you know, it, it's it's this, uh, you know, authority and credibility. And, you know, that that's the most important aspect of earned media that you just can't replicate through advertising or any other means. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I often coach my clients to do is when you do get that earned media, share it on your social media share it in your newsletters, share it with your customers and your leads, because you know there's always customers that are like thinking, maybe we should shop just to make sure we're using the best vendor this year. And they see that article, they get that same warm feeling, and they're like, mm, not this year. I'm very comfortable where we're with the right company. There's always leads that get to like 49% of the way to do business with you, and they just don't get over that 50% hump. And maybe getting that link in front of them, having them read that article, you know, some of those people that weren't going to convert will now convert as a result. So, you know, that's one of the really powerful things about earned media and credibility. And it certainly trumps, you know, the visibility aspect where, you know, even, you know, if you're on uh, your press release on a meaningful website, if it's a press release, it's written by you, you know, it doesn't have the same, uh, you know, authority and credibility of having a, uh, an author journalist, you know, actually writing the article. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great points, because I, I happen to read an article about like reinforcing buying decisions. And people are, they're turning to publications for that kind of that review, that extra feedback, really, you know, making sure that, you know, they're sound in their own logic and getting this like, you know, sort of like extra feedback from, you know, a, 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 a publication of note, you know, even if that's like, oh, should I, you know, like buy this, you know, uh, food item? I read about it in Food Magazine. Oh, yeah, definitely. If this person wrote about it or this publication, 
Navigation wrote about it. I trust them with all of my, you know, like food purchases. Yes, I will go get that item because I read about it there. So I think that's uh, that's great encouragement. Well, um, last two are fun. I'll just I'll keep this I'll keep I'll keep these easy. Um, but uh, what what's the weirdest thing that you've written about that got coverage? Let's see. Um, <laughs> I think one of the weirdest was uh, this guy did a press release about Dino Gel, uh, which is his formulation that he believed if you dropped it into a tropical storm or forming hurricane, it would lessen its severity. And uh, he got lots of meaningful phone calls and pickup and people writing about him. And at the same time, the government was using his product and coordinating the use of it. And uh, it was really fun, uh, but it turned out that the government didn't see any le lesson of severity of the storm, but it was it was an interesting idea. This idea of you could just drop in, uh, a, uh, I don't know if it's a few bars of soap or some product and a storm would dissipate or lessen. Uh, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, we had a client, uh, years ago, uh, in 2006, I believe, uh, Alerca, uh, which if you go to their website, alerca.com, which they no longer own, will educate you about the experience. They were selling genetically modified cats that were designed to be hypoallergenic. And uh, it turns out that, you know, most people's reports were they were no more less, you know, more hypoallergenic than the average cat, but they cost a lot of money and a lot of millions of dollars were spent on these cats. Uh, but at the time, um, I remember being in uh, uh, Midway Airport in Chicago and looking at the newsstand and about a third of the magazines had this company on the cover or were discussing them. Uh, like they were on Newsweek and Time, you know, uh, they were on uh, Discover Magazine and they were all sort of like similar themes. Should we be playing God like this? You know, and they had this cute little cat and and things like that. So, uh, you know, that was interesting. It, you know, it, it did really well, generated a lot of millions of dollars for them. Uh, but I think in the end, it, it just didn't prove that, you know, uh, the genes that they were modifying were making a meaningful enough, uh, you know, effort for people who suffer from allergies to cats. Definitely not a catastrophe. So. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's great. Um, well, and then the last thing I have for you is just like uh, I, I know that uh, I read via your bio that that you write poetry on a regular basis, uh, and then so. Did your love of language start academically or was it through poetry that, you know, because I have to assume this all boils down to, you know, the written word and, you know, what goes into, you know, what you read and write. So, um, yeah. Did it start academically or through poetry? Right. I, th I think that uh, my, my PR did come out of that. Uh, I went and got a master's of fine arts in creative writing. Um, and, you know, it was out of that that I went into uh, working for uh the telecom research startup, I had thought that I was just going to get this degree in creative writing and just wait tables and write poetry in the evenings and weekends. But I did that for a summer after graduating with my MFA. And I realized that that's not for me. Uh, I'm a big tipper now. Uh, I, I realized that being on your feet 10 hours a day on concrete, you know, and just, you know, all the demands and 
you know, having to anticipate everybody's needs, you know, when someone orders steak, you know, follow up with steak sauce, you know, it's just your mind is, is just drawn in so many different directions. I, I just, I, I, at the end of the day, I wasn't reading, I wasn't writing. And so I just felt I had to find a safe office job. And, you know, that eventually translated into e-releases. I didn't read and write in the early years because, you know, starting a company. Uh, but, you know, a few years back, I did start back into the creative thing. And I think that my creative, uh, you know, mind has really helped me because I approach a lot of, you know, these press release things as, you know, what are the different things that we can try and test and play with? or patterns I can notice that other people are succeeding with so that, you know, we're not doing the same average press release. We're educating clients to do, you know, different types of releases that are more likely to stand out. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you have dropped some really incredible nuggets on this podcast and I can't wait to, you know, sort of get it out there so that, uh, yeah, definitely everybody else can kind of learn from some of these lessons and hopefully, you know, use you guys uh, as well. Um, I guess, uh, you know, is there anything else that you want to put out there in general? Sure. So uh, the website's ereleases.com. Um, in the footer, you'll see we have a new customer special. All my social media is in the footer as well. Um, I do have a free masterclass, which is a great place for anybody to start. It's less than an hour. Um, and it really will help you go through an audit of the types of strategic press releases that you could be doing um, that are going to give you a more meaningful result. Um, you know, like survey study is one that I go into depth about, uh, but there's lots of others that you can use. And if you build a campaign of six to eight releases and you follow uh, these types of releases, you're going to have really good results. And it's available at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And again, it's completely free. I'm just trying to educate people uh, to do these more meaningful types of releases because I know they'll have better results and they'll you know stick with PR longer and continue to work the types of releases that that do work. And uh, I, I you know I think it's a great place for anybody who's open to PR to start. And you know you could build a campaign of six to eight releases for you know well under four thousand dollars. And you know whether it takes you a year or a year and a half or two years to get those six to eight releases out, um, you. You know, it, it, it really is something that I think a lot of people should try uh, because, you know, I've, I've had people who've had meaningful differences, you know, made at their company because of what PR has done for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, th that that is that's fantastic. Uh, I, I encourage it too because even you know some of your responses felt like a masterclass and just thinking differently about how you know people maybe treat press releases and you know uh, I feel like yeah it's it's been great information so yeah Mickey really thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast uh, it was great chatting with you same. Uh, well, this has been another episode of Mix and Matchbox. I am your host, Brent Feldman. We will be back soon with more content. Please like and subscribe. Thanks.